Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Digitally Uploaded Podcast, the companion podcast at digitallydownloaded.net. My name is Alan. I'm going to be your host for this evening slash morning slash afternoon as per the intro. And with me this week, I have the editor-in-chief, as always, of digitallydownloaded.net, Matt Sainsbury. Hello. Hello. That was a very good radio voice, Alan. I know. Look at me go. I'm I'm really improving my abilities. It's not just me swearing and being like, ah, I hate games anymore. I've actually tried to encounter some form of professionalism, which is making me feel sick. Um, you're, you're smooth, Alan. You're, you, you're, you're going to be like the, the next uh, love song dedication radio host, aren't you? Yeah, my name is actually uh, Carlos Santana <laughs> and, and Rob Thomas at the same time. It's hyphenated. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and also, hello, Harvard. Good morning. I, I, I get that. That's a very smooth transition you got there. Because it's a hot one. Bottom dish. <laughs> and hello, Trent. Hello. It's too early in the morning to understand everything going on right now. So I'm just going to have my Mount Franklin sparkling no sugar water. Oh, hell yeah, dude. I love a bit of a Mount Franklin. <laughs> yeah, Trent, we talked about this. No more bread first unless they're gonna they're gonna pay us. Swap the like button right now to get free discounts. <laughs> Mount, Mount, Mount Franklin gamer juice. <laughs> oh god. You know, I did try the gamer juice recently. Uh, this is this is a bit of a, a you know segue. I'm actually quite proud of myself, but I did try a gamer juice. I tried a Witcher gamer juice where each of the energy drinks was named after a different Witcher potion. And you know, when you drink these things, you expect a certain level of like, I hate myself. What am I doing this to myself for? Uh, hell is real. You know that sort of energy. No, surprisingly, the the, the self hate was only limited to the previous existing self hate. So. <laughs> It was actually really good. It's the first gamer juice that I've been like, you know what? This is palatable. Oh wow! So I tried yeah. the I, I tried the Xbox fragrance when they did that deodorant thing. Oh, I forgot about that. And the and the, and the thing was, I it, I I smelled worse than the conventions. It was that bad, <laughs> and the conventions That's smelled pretty bad. Impressive, yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Didn't make you smell out. like gamer. <laughs> <laughs> did you yeah. start saying slurs <laughs> yeah it, oh, it was no. interesting I, I, I don't know why any company would want to associate themselves with like gaming and, and smell but anyway there you go uh, well there goes how instead you can too. drink <laughs> instead you can just drink gamer juice instead and become the world's most powerful person who definitely has a lot of relationships with a lot of people. I had, I had, um, I had the company reach out to to advertise. Not that we do advertise on digitallydownloaded.net, of course, but I had a company reach out. Legitimate company. <laughs> I had, I had a legitimate company legitimately reach out to try and do a, a uh, advertising campaign for gamer supplements, like nutritional supplements. Oh, like nootropics. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, oh, that rocks. Is it magnesium? Or is it vitamin B? Well, I mean, what what nutrients does a gamer need to game all vitamin day long? Vitamin P, P, T, No, no, no. They're, they're, they're all about Pootronics. So I call it Pootronics because it's about the bowels. And like, it's like about like a happy bowels is a happy body. And so you take these Pootronic drinks and then it makes you happy because your gut bacteria no, but is like wouldn't, more. Wouldn't <laughs> the nutrients for gamers like stop you from pooing? Because if you're pooing, you're not gaming. 
like it removes the, yeah it they removes stuff the you right up yeah yeah they, they stuff you right up they block it's, you. it's like a it's a metaphorical cork in the butthole so you never have to stop gaming <laughs> yeah exactly I'm really impressed, Matt, by how instead of giving an ad for that company, we've now given like an anti-ad to make them not. <laughs> yeah, want that's that it. Ne- yeah, ne- given- ne- never buy gamer supplements because you won't poop. <laughs> Alternatively, if that's your thing, buy gamer supplements. Wink. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe maybe you like being blocked because yeah, gamer supplements they're there for you. And with that, <laughs> we're gonna go to music. <laughs> And welcome back. So it is a big month. Although, to be honest with you, I've been thinking about this. I don't really know anything that's coming out this month. So I'm actually You're interested. You're still playing Golden Ring, aren't you? I literally am. It's playing the wrong game. No, I'm playing the right game. It's the only game that I respect personally. I, I exist between the worlds of pro gamers and casual nerds. 
um, because I play exclusively Super Auto Pets on my phone and Elden Ring on my PlayStation. So that would be fizzled out on social media since like that uh, guy got added into the game as well. Like it seems like it's starting to go away. It's great. Which game? Elden Ring. Since they added the guy, which is like, let me like raid her or whatever it was into the game as like a spawnable thing. Oh, let me solo her. Yeah, Yeah, so I've just disappeared. Trent, that's not something they added to the game. That's a person. That's a no, real no, no, no. Apparently That's a they real added person. him. Apparently they added <laughs> his name's Greg as a as a thing. So there's a real character to it, but then they added like his avatar and like his costume and made that was it just a, a mod. You mean naked? Mod. That his costume know. of being not not wearing clothes. <laughs> it's my favorite Kira Knightley costume. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> These are my breasts. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. Okay, games of games of May. <laughs> games yeah, of May. Games, games of, of May. May. Let's do it. Uh, PlayStation Four. Four. Uh, <laughs> it's Kieran Knightley on this list. <laughs> Alan's got that. Now I know Alan's celebrity crush. Um, May- who who is not have like got a big old crush on bloody Kieran Knightley? You cannot be a child growing up in the two thousands without being like, oh yeah, bloody Kieran Knightley. Bend- I'd like bend- to like give her a hug. <laughs> no, <laughs> fucking pirates. <laughs> and also because you can't have love actually. Also, like that, like also, Beckham is also like an older movie. So you're referencing our age by then saying, oh, yes, Ben and Mike Beckham. And then Alan's like, no, I don't like this movie. And it's like, oh, well, true story. I didn't like it. Just say true, that I saw true, pirates when I was a child. True story. She was in um, the first, the second, I think, second of the prequel Star Wars films, and nobody knew it. Because she played as the body decoy for Natalie Portman, um, and everybody didn't realize that she was in it because they thought it was just Natalie Portman back, back then. They looked exactly the same. It was. Crazy. I thought you were gonna say that she was one of the women and children that Anakin kills. <laughs> I think there's some games coming out in May, possibly. Yes, let's get back no. to it. Um, on May 5 on the PlayStation 4, we have Trek to Yomi coming out. And I'm looking forward to talking about this one. I can't just yet because I'm under embargo, but I am playing it. And it is a semi-2D action thing, um, which is obviously heavily inspired by Kurosawa films and all of that. But unlike Ghost to Tsushima, it's not crap. I, I've probably broken embargo by saying that. But anyway, um, I'll be talking about that one more soon, May 5. On May 10, we have We Were Here Forever coming out, which I am hearing lots of good things about. I haven't played it yet, but... Were uh, they there forever? I don't know. We're about <laughs> no, to find out. They've been there since May 10th. We will find out on May 10, Alan. On wow, May... Check in later. <laughs> on May 10 as well. I can't pronounce this, but it's Iuden Chronicle Rising. That's how I'm going to go with I-E-I. Iuden Chronicle Rising that comes out on May 10th. <laughs> that, one, that one is from memory. That was a super successful Kickstarter by people that did the Suikoden games. And it promises Ooh. to be like a spiritual sequel to those. And so everybody's this? looking forward to that a great deal. Suikoden. 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 Yeah. Oh, that's very the good. Konami JRPGs. Yeah. So this when one. They is, made games. Yeah, this one's going to be that. This one's going to be one of those spiritual sequels in the same way that the uh, Bloodstained ones, I guess. That's I feel I have the, missed the same hype behind it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. 
and that's out on May 10. We also have Salt and Sacrifice coming out on May 10. That's um, a follow-up to Salt and Sanctuary, which was a 2D Souls-like, which was actually pretty good. So that'll be pretty good for people that like their Souls-like. Yeah, yeah, people forgot about it, but it was pretty good when they played it. Pretty good. So also on, or not also, on May 12, we have the Centennial Case, a Shijima story. This is a Square Enix published FMV game with a very Sherlock Holmesy vibe, but Japanese. So yeah, I'm, I'm quite keen on this one. Uh, I haven't played an FMV game for a little while now, but this will be one I dip into, I think. On May 13, we have Evil Dead the game, and as long as oh, yeah. Boomstick, I'm all for that. Boomstick. I bet you will. I only recently watched those movies. Have you? Yeah, because I I was too much of That's a little piss you're, you're a young one, Alan. Yeah. Also, I was like literally four for like most of the time. That, I mean, <laughs> Army, like Army of Darkness is the greatest comedy of all time. I swear to God, it is great. I can't. Because I, I was a big Sam Raimi binge. And I, I figured that, like, if I was going to watch Spider-Man 1 through 3, I better watch these movies that are actually seen as, like, pretty good. The TV series wasn't bad either, actually. The Ash much more recent. Dead. Yeah, yeah, the much more recent one. Yeah. It's not bad. I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping it's B-grade trash, which is exactly what you want with Evil Dead. And if it is, then I'll be very happy. On May 19, we have Vampire the Masquerade Swan... Swan? Swan? Swan Song. Elizabeth Swan Song. It's yeah. Skira Knightley. Uh, Alan's on his theme for this month. Um, yeah, I found a bit. <laughs> this is his theme. <laughs> uh, Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song. This is going to be a proper RPG that is set in Vampire the Masquerade, where you get to play as vampires and chew on things. So I'm looking for. I'm looking you better start to believing in ghost stories because you're the no chewing involved. <laughs> That's what you think, Harvard. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to it. The, the trailers and stuff really double down on the blood and, and stuff. So, yeah. I'll give it a go. I will say it's kind of annoying whenever there's a Vampire Masquerade game, I go, that's a really respected property. I have no idea what this game is going to be. Is it a visual novel? Is it a is it a RPG? Is it like a match three puzzle? Like, I have no clue anymore. Wasn't there a God of War game that came out recently? No. No? No. No, it was like you played as a werewolf. God of War, you mean Werewolf the Matter, the Werewolf the Apocalypse? Yeah, that game apparently was like awful. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh hell yeah, that's good. I but like that. this is this is a different developer, same publisher, funny enough, Nikon, um, but different different developer. We have on May nineteen a game called Eternal Threads. Know nothing about it, but sounds like it could be, I don't know, ready. They could also have been here forever. Eternal Threads. Yeah, Eternity. Yeah. Whatever. Um, <laughs> Matt- <laughs> you can tell that Matt's excited about that one. That's one that he's looking forward to. This is this is the game of the year for Matt. May 20, Dolman is coming out. This is Cosmic Horror and Science Fiction, which is... Hey, go and get thing. some Dolman from the shop. <laughs> which is the same thing. I, cosmic Horror is a form of science fiction. I don't know why they're saying that they're different genres. But anyway... Let's not talk about genres. Let's talk about Dolman. It is Lovecraftian, I guess. Third-person action game with RPG elements. I'll play it. It reminds I'll me of it. Dolmati's. That's the only reason I'm excited, is that it made me think of Dolmati's, and I want Dolmati's now. Moving on. 
<laughs> don't fight my love of Dolmatis. Cotton Fantasy comes out on May 20. That's the shmup series, right? Or the action thing. Cotton's, uh, Cotton's been around forever. That's... Yeah, it's from the 90s. Very respected uh, shmup game. Yeah, so there's a new one, I think. This is a new one. It's a brand cool. new entry into the Cotton franchise. So there you go. That comes out on May 20. On May 26, you've got Sniper Elite 5 if you want to snipe the dudes. I like sniper games, I must admit. I'm not a big fan of shooty pew pew boom boom games, but I do like the anything where you can kind of snipe stuff. Is a, I, I, I don't know. I like the skill involved in, in doing a good snipe. So I'll play that, I must admit. I'll play it. On it. May 27, Cal the Kangaroo comes out. Oh, oh, I forgot that they were doing a remake of that game. That is a, what, 2001? Yeah, it's like been around PS1 a while. PS1 platformer. It was a yeah. PS1 platformer Wait, and a Dreamcast what? platformer. Yeah, it's been around. So it's like ages. a Tiger, Tasmanian Tiger, but yeah, but, kangaroo. But also not Australian developed. This yeah, it was Polish. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just some <laughs> random company over in Europe decided, hey, we like Australian animals, we'll do an Australian animal mascot game. So it's not like yeah, Crash Bandicoot. It's yeah. not like it's not like the Aussie one, which was which was fun. Um what's the Aussie one with the kangaroo? Ty the wait, skip jumpy, skippy, something? No, that's the TV so show. Is, I would so is, love a skippy show again. That would be great. Just, oh my god, <laughs> press X to Rissy Brokey Bill. Skippy. Uh, I love Skippy. I miss Skippy. They should put Skippy back on TV. Get it on Netflix. Netflix needs content to make money. Nah, what Netflix really needs is more Bronson. Not the actual <laughs> character Bronson, but the actor who played Bronson. <laughs> That's so um, niche. Anyone who's on, out of Australia will not understand that at all. On, on May 27, we have My Little Pony. And that's going to sell like 5 billion copies to people that have pony tattoos, which are weird. Is that still a thing? Very, very weird people. Yeah, bronies are a thing, dude. No, but it's is not it really still a thing, thing anymore? No, yeah, bronies are right a good, um, dude. Good Jane Nicholson video on it. It's pretty dead now. No, no, they can't be dead. You can't get rid of the tattoos. They're, they're stuck with being bronies <laughs> for life. I know. I I knew a guy, a tech journalist, who literally had a pony. Like his entire upper arm was a pony tattoo, and yeah, he was weird. So he'll play that game. I'm sure. Hmm. Yeah, bronies. And that's it for PlayStation 4. Let's move on to PlayStation 5, shall we? If anything is different on the PlayStation 5, we have Trek to Yomi's coming down on PlayStation 5. So is a Yudin Chronicle. So is... Oh, here's one. If you haven't played this War of Mine as yet, you probably should have. But if you haven't... The complete addiction, addiction. The complete edition comes out on PlayStation Five on May ten. That is an excellent game, really, really good game. Anti-war survival game thing. I think it's also it? taught in like Poland or something. In like that's Ukraine. a rough. Well, game it to should be. Now. It absolutely. Yeah, I know. Don't release Ugh. it in the Ukraine. Um, did I just say the Ukraine? That was naughty. Don't release it in Ukraine because that would be. I've done that so much. Don't worry. Yeah, I know. I keep catching myself. It's just something that we, I think we grew up with in Australia because we're generally ignorant people down here. And um, it's also because you say, "Oh yeah, you're going up to the Ukraine." It's an Australian developed game. 
which is why I'm interested in it, I guess. It's got Nick Kyrgios as the cover star, which is fine. He's a bit of a dweeb, but there you go. He's the cover star for the game, and it is, yeah, it's an Australian-developed tennis game. So I'll play it. PlayStation 5 also has the Vampire the Masquerade game coming on it, so you can play that on the higher def if you want. You can also play Deliver Us to the Moon on May 19, which is a science fiction thriller set in apocalyptic near future where Earth's natural resources are depleted. That has so never happened before. Stage. <laughs> that has never <laughs> happened before. That is a completely unique game concept that I've never heard of. Um, will you save mankind from the moon or be forgotten in the dark abyss of space? Oh, you mean like thing. from your position on the moon, not from the moon about to hit the Earth for some reason? No. I was you play really as the moon. <laughs> I was really, really, really disappointed because the, what was it called? Moonfall. I watched Moonfall the other day, and Moonfall is a film by that guy that has done all the disaster movies, like 2012 and... Oh, uh, Roland Emmerich. Yeah, yeah. He, so he went and did this Moonfall, and I was expecting a film about the moon is actually going to hit the bloody earth and people are like, blow up the moon or something to save earth. But it wasn't. It wasn't that at all. It was some weird science fiction thing. I just wanted a movie where the moon hit the earth. That would have been cool. But no. He's a very disappointing director. The one thing he could have done, the one thing he could have delivered us was a movie. He had one bloody job. Yeah, and he just couldn't do it. I was so upset. Uh, That's it for the PlayStation 5. It's all just games that are also coming out on PlayStation 4 because... Nobody's buying the PlayStation 5 and they still need to release them on the old console still. I mean, when I say nobody's buying the PlayStation 5, it's because nobody can. Yeah, because it doesn't exist. Yeah, that's a real console. (laughs) Retailers don't actually have units of them. And if you don't have one, then they just don't exist. Uh, On the Switch, things are usually a bit different on the Switch. So let's have a look. We have football drama. So that must be a film about dudes falling over. That comes out on May 6th. I don't know. I don't know anything about it, but it's... It's drama. <laughs> you play as a manager of some football club. So, yeah. I think I don't think it's actually a sports game. I think it's... Yeah, there's like a drama corruption. Corruption, can... cor- corruption, crime, drugs, and romance are all paths that you can take. So, I don't know. I, I, am, now, I watched... am now interested in this. <laughs> I, now I watched a Robert De Niro movie the other day called Fan... And I'm believing that this might be the version of Fan as a video game. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah. No, it's awful. It's oh, exactly okay. what you think it is. It's the exact same movie as Taxi Driver, but it was worse. Right, okay. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. for half the show? No, he's um he's a football fan. Um, And no, he's not a, he's a baseball fan. And he's like, I'm going to kidnap this kid to make him do a home run. Same and that's sport, the story. Really. Football and baseball are basically the same sport. Yeah, ostensibly. Yeah. Uh, Uden Chronicle Rising comes out on the Switch as well. So if you like to play games on the go, then you can do that. Uh, on the same day, the Prinny Presents NIS Volume Classics. Sorry. Prinny Presents NIS Classics Volume 2 comes out, which the first one was right. This one, this one has ZHP Unlosing Ranger, and that is a roguelike. And also Makai Kingdom Reclaimed, which I can't remember exactly what that one is. Probably a tactics RPG, if I was to hazard a guess. Anyway, those are two classic PlayStation 2 era JRPGs. The first Miss Classics was quite good, and I'll play that one as well. They wouldn't get a release otherwise, so doing them as a pack is, it just makes sense, I guess. 
Those games are hard, yeah? Yeah, they always are. On May 12, Seven Pirates H comes out. That is the ultra fan service uh, Compile Heart RPG. It's not a dungeon crawler like the previous ones in their little series of super fan service ones. This is a more traditional RPG. Alan's, I see Alan's muted himself. Yeah, Alan's muted himself because he's he's unleashing a stream of swears right now. Uh, I'm assuming yeah, he's like screaming out his window. <laughs> I just don't want to have to put more effort in, like have to beat myself more. <laughs> <laughs> and Kyra Knightley is in it too. She's a like a cameo in it. So now I'm not believing in ghost stories. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on May 12, a centennial case of Shijima's story comes out on Switch as well. So you can play your FMV on the go if you want. Okay, moving on. Cloud Gardens. I don't know what that is. That's out on May 12. Dungeons no, of- I love Cloud Gardens. Oh, really? It's good, yeah, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Alan says it's good. So it's out on May 12. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's, that's, a, that's a game. <laughs> oh, also on May 12, you've got Dungeons of Dread Rock, which is, I think, one of those indie kind of roguelike things, if you're still into those. Then on May 13, there's a game called Let's Get Fit, which is a whole, no, bunch, of, <laughs> a whole bunch of workout programs on your Switch, from gymnastics, soft gymnastics, to high-intensity exercises. I would love a Switch game where you've got to like do the rings and flip around in your lounge room. That would be an excellent game that I'm sure lots of people would buy. That comes out on May 13. On May 17, you've got Hidden Objects Collection Volume 2. So six Hidden Objects games in one. How cool is that? Oh, here we go. Here we go. On May 19, Snow Brothers Special comes out. I cannot wait to play this. Snow Brothers is basically Bubble Bobble. You know Bubble Bobble, everyone. The single screen platformer where you... Yes, with we were alive when that came out. Bob and Bob. Yeah, with Bob and Bob. Uh, not the puzzle highest, one. The highest Pokemon. Not, not the puzzle one, the platformer one. So you shoot bubbles yeah. at enemies and then they get captured in the bubble and then you pop the bubble and you beat the enemy, you move on to the next level. Well, Snow Brothers is basically a clone of that, which was my favourite game of all time back in the 90s when I was... Uh, playing games on Game Boy and, and whatever. Uh, and yeah, I thought the series was dead because the developer publisher went bankrupt and just the property disappeared. We haven't seen a new Snow Brothers since the 90s, I think. So yeah, in Snow Brothers, you shoot snowballs at enemies and when they become, you, you kind of turn them into a big snowball and then roll the snowball down the level and then they burst and you get all your power-ups and stuff. It's, it's going to be great. Snow Brothers. I can't believe it's back. I'm so happy. Um, I want to just clarify. I looked up Cloud Gardens and I feel bad for making fun of this game because it looks nice. I'm oh, sorry, okay. Cloud Gardens. <laughs> you, were, you are a good-looking game. I'm, I, I apologize. It looks good. There's Alan being very nice there to a game. Because <laughs> I feel bad because I oh, cussed out a game and I said the C-bomb earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be nice now. On May 20th. It looks pretty good. On May 20, Cotton Fantasy comes out on Switch as well, so you can schmuck on the go if that's your preference. On May 24, Tukan Ranbu Warriors comes out. That is the latest Koei Tecmo Warriors licensed tie-in, this time obviously with Tukan Ranbu, which is basically Pretty Boys game. So um, hmm. it's a whole bunch of historical swords have turned into these really attractive anime men 
and oh yeah it's the um it's the kankole for for men yeah yeah basically and it's actually a huge thing in japan like it became it, it was originally a mobile game and it became so popular with women that these museums that held these swords these very famous swords became really popular because everybody went to to see the swords that's the characters in the game were based on uh or personifications of and yeah, it's a huge thing, huge, huge property over there. And the anime is actually pretty good fun. You can watch it on Crunchyroll and whatever now. It's a comedy thing, uh, which is which is good. And then the game will be good, I think. I've played the Japanese one of it a bit. I uh, don't quite understand the plot completely because my Japanese is not that good. But it's, it's good fun. Um, and, yeah, I'm looking forward to it on May 24 in the West. You'll also be able to play Cal the Kangaroo on Switch because that makes sense. That's where all platformers should be. You'll also be able to play My Little Pony if you're a brony on Switch, brony on the go. That's all right. I actually like the idea of them having a game to play out and about because that means they won't be talking to other people and generally being annoying people. Like that's, a, that's a victory for everyone. Yeah. That hasn't the, happened the, for a while, though. <laughs> the more the bronies are not around, the better. Okay, we have a game called Squish on May 31. Don't know what that is, but I like the idea of squishing things. Like a basketball squish or? No, squish. Squish. Yeah, what you do to spiders when you see them. That's squish. rude. <laughs> no, you squish. let them outside and say thank you for your uh, influence. No, you squish. Yeah, thank, thank you for eating that mosquito. Yeah, yeah literally. <laughs> Please keep doing your job. I will die if you don't do this. <laughs> I see spider red squish. And then you pat Oh, it's my favorite Ed Sheeran song. <laughs> <laughs> May 31, we have Pocky and Rocky Reshrined. That comes out oh, as yeah. well. That'll be fun. Yeah. That'll be good. Who like who doesn't like some Pocky and Rocky? That's a game that I feel like got way bigger in like 2015. For yeah. some reason. It like came out of nowhere and I was like, oh, this is pretty cute. And then everyone was like, oh, do you have to talk about buddy Pocky and Rocky or <laughs> oh, it's the good shit. Yeah, everyone likes Pocky um, and Rocky. It's good. Yeah, because it's cute. Yeah. So that's it. That's all the games coming out. It's quite a big month, actually. <laughs> it's going to be a big month, May. Um, let's go. Let's do our thing where we go around and ask each people yeah. what they're looking forward to. Trent, what game? You get one game, not two. I get one game. One. You only get to play one, one game. That's it. Uh, I'm banning you from playing anything else. You get to play one game. So what is it? One game this month. Yep, one. Uh, I'll I'll play I'll play that garden game. Actually, isn't there oh, a game? Coming, isn't there actually a game I want which is coming out this month? I feel like there is. What's is the Nintendo game month? of this month? There isn't one. That's the problem. There is no Nintendo game. <laughs> That's weird. That's why they moved Xenoblade Chronicles Three. Up. Yeah, it's because they've, they've got, got Xenoblade Three. They got Three, and they've got Mario Strikers in like the same month. And live oh, alive, okay. and um, what do you call it? That game that's also coming out at the same that time. That game that's also coming out. But that's talking for further down the track. We're talking about making. There's no Nintendo game. You get one trend. So you're doing cloud game, cloud, cloud nine, or game. whatever it's called. Cloud nine. Cloud Actually, I'd probably be playing Wii Sports still. <laughs> you get one game to play in the future. So you've picked a game that's already out. I was really I was really mad when I picked up my pre-order and I'm like, oh, I'm here to pick up Wii Sports that the EB Games guy wasn't like, oh, it's a bit too late for that game. 
But golf comes like, out. Golf gets released as DLC this month, so that's so silly. Technically counts. So there you go. Okay, Trent's playing sports, getting fit. Harvard, what about you? I think I will play Ayudin Chronicle, even though I haven't played the original Suikoden. It keeps crashing on my Vita, but I will see what the fuss is about. Wow, you haven't played Suikoden. I, I also legit, haven't played. I get like an hour in, and the game just crashes on me, and then you know, you know, Suikoden is based on. Um, Water margin, right? Water margin, yeah, which I also have not read because I am I am Harvard more even more of an idiot in Chinese than I am in English. You need to you need to embrace your culture. You need to read Water Margin. It's great. It's seriously a great book. I love it. Uh, look, <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> I haven't read most English books. I don't think I'm gonna read the Chinese. I just can't book. read. I mean, you don't have to you don't have to I read actually it in am Chinese. A little bit in Chinese. <laughs> You can read it in English. They have translated that one. Yeah, I know, but I feel like that's a betrayal of the original writer or whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're going to try and read it in, in Mandarin or whatever, I think it's a bit of an old book, so it might it might be a bit of a challenge. It might be like trying to read Shakespeare for us. Sorry, I just saw Alan leave a message in the in the um, Discord to say, uh, bleep myself at about 26 minutes in to remind himself. <laughs> Look... <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm nothing if not very transparent. And professional. Very professional. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will say horrible things, but I'll bleep it out. <laughs> Alan, what about you? What a game are you um, I'm copping out. Uh, I'm picking a game that was not mentioned because it's on PC only at this point, but it's called Peglin, and it's a Peggle game that mixed with Slay the Spire. Oh, that's like, great. Wait, yeah. Actually, that no. sounds like How does that work? So it's a, you know, so the Spire has like the map where you get to like choose where you go and stuff and you get to like get new cards that you use. Yeah. Imagine that, but instead of getting new cards, you get new types of ball. Uh, and okay. so every peg that you hit does a certain amount of damage depending on the ball that you have and has like a different effect. And then you just have to try and get through and there's like bosses and cool stuff. It's really fun. Could it be good. sounds okay. It's cool enough. Going. Yeah, just, just play, just play um, Peglin. It's Peglin. Sorry, I had that moment where you said those two things, and I was like, well, "Hey, I like those two things." And then I went, "Wait, I don't know if I like them together." No, it's really are animals, aren't they? Like penguins, but they're peglins. I feel like no, that's, that's a, a puggle. Thing. That's a puggle. You're a thinking puggle. of? It's a. It's uh, just a p word. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it's a thing. I feel like it's a little penguin bird thing. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a video game you can play on the bloody PC, and I hope it comes to Switch because it seems like a very switchy game. Matt, what are you gonna buy? What are you, you going to play? Give me the give me the steez. Seven Pirates H. There That's what I'm going to go. Because fan service. Yeah, extreme fan service. That very much checks out. Like you can't you can't watch the trailer for it on anything but YouTube because it's been age blocked. Because oh. it's it's super fan servicey. Alan, you're going to hate it. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, when, the name itself annoyed me. So when when we um. When we talk about it inevitably next month, because I've been playing it a lot and I'm obsessed with it, and um, you're, you're going to hate that episode. So I'm away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But also Snow Brothers. Can't wait for Snow Those Brothers. are two very different energies. Yeah, yeah Snow, Snow, Brothers are, Snow, Snow Brothers does not have fences. Um, or it does, and you just haven't paid enough attention. Or maybe it is all fan service. Its existence is fan service. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm a huge time fan of Snow Brothers. I like um, bubble bubble games in general. That's a 
little sub-genre that is a thing for me. So, yeah, I'll play it. And welcome back. So, we have all been playing a bunch of different games recently and all experiencing some different stories in video games as well. And one of the things that I think we've all sort of come to this sort of conclusion of is that a lot of the biggest games at the moment have stories in them that can only ever really be told through the narrative of video games. And that's kind of really exciting. And I'm going to be the, the big old nerd who has been consumed by the video game known as Elden Ring. But that is a, a game that, has a story that could never be told in any other setting or any other format um, simply because the way it's told doesn't make sense in any other format. Like the idea of having to refer to like a separate technical manual while reading a book is hilarious to me. And I would kind of do it just like once, but at the same time, it sounds absolutely horrific. And I really like the way that they've done it in that game. I think it's really, really well done. I think out of all the souls games, it's the most consistently interesting um, well, in terms so, of the it, way it actually drips you information. It, it's just fascinating how 
big that narrative is because it doesn't feel like it should be a big narrative a lot of the time. Um, you know, you, yeah. you can go for a long time playing Elden Ring and not really have any direct narrative experiences. So you're not like going through a cutscene and having somebody specifically say, la da 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 da, there's a bad monster over the hill, let's go kill it or something or other. You know, it doesn't have that that explicit narrative storytelling um, and you'll run into an NPC maybe every couple of hours, you know, during play and they'll say three or four different lines at you and you, you'll you not think too much about it at the time, I guess. The first interaction with a lot of these NPCs is just like, oh yeah, you're kind of there and that's cool. But as time goes on and you'll interact with them more or their kind of little narrative arc plays out, you start to realize that actually Elden Ring has a lot of storytelling behind it. It just doesn't seem that way, which is odd. That's something that can't really happen in other mediums, obviously, because when you sit down to read a book, every word is kind of contributing to the story. When you're watching a film, every second's contributing to the, the narrative. But in a video, in Elden Ring, it feels like what initially seems like there's not that much there. It feels fairly empty ends up being this really rich narrative experience, but it's not told through cutscenes. It's more told through a whole bunch of other means. So it's fascinating how they managed to do that. And you're right. It is something that could only happen in video games. And Elden Ring feels like it's kind of the, the realization of what they wanted to do as far back as Demon Souls and Dark Souls. Um, it's they finally more, touched the darkness inside me. It's, it's a much more mature storytelling process i guess um i've only just remembered but is this the george rr martin game yes well in theory i don't think he actually did much he yeah, I seen a lot of wrote like it. item descriptions and that was pretty much it well oh, apparently okay. yeah apparently he wrote the backstory to it but even then I'm, I'm pretty sure miyazaki was like yeah that doesn't really work so nah i'm not gonna do that but you can have your name on the cover you can george it's okay yeah, we're gonna sell <laughs> as much as we can with you in it However, yeah, you write gonna... anything and I will beat you up. <laughs> <laughs> Miyazaki <laughs> walks into his house carrying the, the gut sword from Berserk. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how it went. I'm pretty sure that's how it went. I don't think George actually had that much to do with it, honestly. I really don't think. I think he had maybe some lore bits involved, but yeah. All the messages put together spell out the new Game of Thrones book. I, I really love, I saw a take on Twitter and I'm sorry to be the person who's like, oh, isn't this a funny tweet? But it was a really good take on Twitter that was like, I want to pretend that all the messages left by other players are actually just messages left by George R.R. R. Martin. So he's, he's just going around writing try fingers butthole. Like, <laughs> it's, it's like out of spite instead of writing the new Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, that that yeah. would make sense. That would actually make sense. I love the idea of spiteful George R. R. Martin. <laughs> but having he's he's going to do anything to not write the book, you see. That's that's the real yeah. reason that he was involved with this. He's just like, hey, Miyazaki, can you like put me on the cover so it looks like I've been doing work for the last two years? <laughs> My guy that's... is doing the group project effect where he's like, hey, I'm, I'll, I'll do the referencing. <laughs> I'll do the referencing and, and I'll put and, it all together. And that way he hasn't had to write the last Game of Thrones book. That's that's exactly yeah. what me is, that he, Martin's doing. So he's going to start attaching himself to other games too. Whatever it takes so he doesn't have to write this book. That's the thing. real story behind Elden Ring is George R. R. <laughs> Martin perpetually trying to stop himself from writing that book. He'll never do it. He'll never do it. <laughs> but yeah, moving so on. I mean, ask- Elden Ring's a great example. Um, but 
there are other ones that we've been playing quite a lot of that are other or are also games that would just not be possible to do in other mediums. And Harvard and I are both big time fans of 13 Sentinels, which we've been playing on the Switch release. It was an excuse to replay it for me and a chance for Harvard to play it for the first time. But that game is just so non-linear in its storytelling, the way it jumps through time and space and people and stuff, that it just wouldn't work in any other way. It had to be a video game. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I was curious about Alan's comment about uh, Elderman Ring having an encyclopedia, because 13 Sentinels has an encyclopedia. Like, it's it's got every narrative scene that you could see sequenced in this big web of interactions and it's just it wouldn't work in any other medium it's like a tv show where you could watch any of the episodes in a different order of your choice and then it still somehow makes sense like because if you watch a tv show obviously if you were to take a tv show and watch the last episode first it would not make a lot of sense um but yeah 13 sentinels is is complex the way it's all pieced together uh we've all had We've all seen films and read books and whatever where the, it jumps between time frames and stuff and might go back and forth through time. But 13 Sentinels does it in a very different way, which is, I, I can only imagine what the wall of the development studio must have looked like with post-it notes as they were trying to figure out how it all pieced together because it's complex. It it's like that of, conspiracy theory meme. Yeah, it's a kind of game where you people will probably be studying how it's pieced together as a, as a way of understanding narrative for quite some time because I've played it through twice now and I still don't quite understand how they structured it. Like, it's, it, it's incredible how complex it is. On the second time, did you play it in a different order or did you go for your stupid Eerie first method again? No, I always went Eerie first. Dude, you know me. Of course you did. <laughs> you know me. I shouldn't have expected better of you, Matt. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, like, uh, what what do you want from him? Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm a type, you know. My guy knows what he wants. <laughs> yeah, but maybe if he plays it last, he'll have, like, a different chorological order and be different. I don't know. No, Never seen no, him. Matt's my the sort of man who wants to have his dessert at dessert time. Matt's the sort of man who wants his dessert as the very first thing before the aperitif. <laughs> I'm, I'm a guy that likes to read like Jean-Paul Sartre and Albert Camus and you know these really complex uh, video game narratives and stuff. But also, I just more Iori. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love this idea of you being like, mm, yeah, like I, I really appreciate the you know philosophical undertones, but also, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, true, true story i went to the my anime shop for the first time in like six months because covid so i've been avoiding doing things like going out and um i i was really looking forward to buying a bunch of figures i walked back with like four of them i spent a thousand bucks on figures and um i i was still disappointed because i wanted this yori figure which was a quarter life-size figure that would have been huge and it was $500 and they'd sold out. So I was very sad. I'm pretty sure no one actually likes that character though. Or Iori, everyone like, likes Iori. Popularity wise, she's not like a high ranking character. Well, everybody's wrong. <laughs> so I remember our friend told me this in the character ranking poll. Um, the most liked character is Ryoko, the terrifying bandage girl. Oh, really? That doesn't surprise yeah. me. Because What's who does the appeal? 
Who doesn't like a psychopath? Look, that's <laughs> yeah. really the appeal what a of statement. Everyone. Everyone's crazy. <laughs> Going back yeah, to the original topic, <laughs> I was going to say, is Beyond Eyes an example? Because Beyond Eyes uses um, graphics to limit areas and locations. So the idea is that you can't see really anything further than you, but you see like things in the distance and stuff like that for like sounds echo so it like beyond, shows beyond eyes the game where you play the blind person isn't it yes and you need to uh, the, the the screen kind of depicts what you see see as such by actually kind of creating a visualization of what she can hear is that right like an echo that's correct yeah, yes. yeah. so that's an interesting example of i can't believe somebody brought that game up it's been ages but that's a good game uh, I do recommend you all check it out if you get a chance. But yeah, that's that's a good example of how uh, I guess a video game could cause you to relate to a character and their narrative, their experience by through through a way that couldn't really work otherwise. Like the interactivity in that case is really the storytelling medium, and obviously interactivity is only really viable through video games. So that is a good example, I think. Oh, yeah, a, a narrative experience that. that's. Yeah, and, and that's a good one because, I mean, video games do give you a sensory experience that is different to other mediums. And when they can tie the sensory experience into the narrative, that is a interesting experience. I do like when they can do that. It's pretty difficult. So what you're saying is you really enjoy... <laughs> no, no, you love press F to pay your respects, right? I was gonna say, like the the closest thing you get to that is like David Cage, Quick Time Event games. Remember the time when David Cage uh, had a Quick Time Event for beating up a child? What? Uh, yeah, with a with a microwave as well. <laughs> That's well, in a game. David David Cage is a good example of somebody trying to to ram other forms of storytelling into video games like he tries to while very... not understanding any form of storytelling he tries to be very cinematic with his approach to games and i must admit i do like heavy rain i, I will always defend that even though i think cage is it's the well, only I... one that's okay my my opinion of cage is the same as everyone else's opinion of cage but um i do like heavy rain i think that is probably the best example that he's created of taking cinematic techniques and putting them into video games but Certainly everything that Cage has done is more than possible to do in other forms. So I think he's the exact opposite example of what we're talking about here, that nothing he's done can't be done better by our other mediums. Like just make a See, film. The only thing I like if you want to make like a if you want to make a film, stuff, just make make a film. And is I mean, like he- Death Stranding. Because Death Stranding has like all the music and stuff like that being injected at various points as you're walking. And then it's like, oh, this is all wankery and cinematic. I'm like enjoying the thing. It's like it's like when you like uh, get like the intro of a movie and then all of a sudden it's like time for some music to amp you up to like the actual film that's that's what that's what death stranding does like yeah, well, for me, right? death stranding though is, for me, um, death... that's a game that would never like work as a film because the entire point of that game is to be walking yeah and yeah like, i mean well it could be an experimental like andy warhol film which is 24 hours of just a dude walking <laughs> it, it would work as an art film and just i think that's... monster and walking well, Andy Warhol, Warhol did a film of 24 hours Andy of water, water, water dripping. That was a great film. 
found footage of people's vlogs or something like that. But and yeah, it I mean, together to make a movie. <laughs> for, for, for me, Death Strand is probably a good example of what Cage tries to do in that he tries to apply. Oh, Kojima is successful at applying cinematic techniques to video games. You are right, Alan, that it wouldn't work as a film, but the narrative of Death Stranding would. Uh, it would need a lot of adaptation for it to be even remotely interesting. It would be. I mean, of course it would, because it's like an 80-hour game to, to, to distill that down to a cinema would a cinematic format would be would be a challenge. But the narrative itself doesn't do anything that isn't possible via literature or whatever. I've played, I've read ap- apocalyptic books that have a similar atmosphere and, and stuff. So yeah, I, I think Death Strand is amazing, but it's probably another example of not what we're talking about kind of in this segment. It, it's mm. it's it's an open world game so if you think of Elden Ring as a game an open world game that would only be possible through the video game for through the video game medium I think Death Stranding is the other end of the spectrum um so yeah and that's not a bad thing that's certainly not a bad thing sometimes you do just want a a cinematic video game that's linear and um enjoyable and certainly a lot of the blockbusters the GTAs and Red Dead Redemptions of the world and the Call of Duties, all of those things are really just applying other genres or other media, sorry, uh, narrative techniques to video games to a lesser or greater extent or to a lesser or greater effect. But yeah, that's definitely the common way of doing things. But the Elden Ring or 13 Sentinels approach of saying, hey, this is a, we're, we're making a video game here. Let's tell a story that's only really possible through video games. That's a, that's a different thing. I think a yeah, good example, I'd... which we were talking about kind of off-air, Alan, is Disco Elysium. That's another game that's yeah. only possible through video games. And they do that by um, just making you interact with the narrator. <laughs> so in, in most in most other forms, if there's a narrator, you're kind of listening. It's a passive thing that a narrator's telling you something and you're tuning into what they're saying. But in Disco Elysium, you're actually interacting with the narrator, which results in a, an obscene amount of text in that game, but it's really great. <laughs> like, it's amazing how it's done. Yeah, it's it's why I'm so nervous about this uh, new series they're making out of it, because I'm going to watch that show and get angry that they didn't make the same choices I made. Well, the thing is, the whole point of Disco Elysium is that choice was the point. Yeah. You know, it, it was like, you were shaping this character based the first time you play it, especially, I mean, when you play it through a second time or whatever, you'll make different choices just to see how it plays out. But the first time you play Disco Elysium, you are definitely meant to make choices that match with your own kind of moral and philosophical outlook into the world. So, of course, when I was when I played it through, I ended up being absolutely communist as all hell. Um, Did you also get called a uh, like a communist scumbag or something like that? Oh God, yes, and that was because that of happened minutes. a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure that was the way the developer wanted you to play. I, I get the sense from Disco Elysium that the dude is pretty much a commie red, and he's written from that perspective. But you can play through in other ways, and there's what four four different philosophical alignments you can end up with i think something insane like that yeah it's like there's there's obviously the the commie red it's not a narrative arc but you can also play the through as a fascist a A neolib i'm pretty sure yeah neolib and i think 
I play a centrist as well. It's like yeah, a centrist or something like that. I think so. I think so. Although there might have been a libertarian approach as well. Like, just a, yeah. I'm pretty sure. God, that game is anyway. so good. If you've not played that game and you're listening to this, go go play that game. It's really good. It's not banned in Australia anymore. Yeah. It, I mean, it's overtly political and you know, certain, certain groups of the gaming community won't enjoy it for that reason. It is definitely a political, philosophical thesis <laughs> um, that's in, in video game form. But it is amazing. And it is a really nuanced look at the various different perspectives on events and the different ways that you know, uh, different philosophical positions that you can take on on politics. And again, only really possible by video games. I don't think that TV series is going to work <laughs> because it's nope, only going to, it's going to, not... <laughs> it's going to assume one approach, right? It's going to assume yeah. one. And that takes, by taking the choice out, then you kind of undermine the whole point of what this girl is was saying that these things are choices and they're perspectives on events. But if you're only going to present one, then you're just undermining the whole point of what the game was about. So don't think it's going to work. No. And that's or, why also, I'm so interested in seeing what it does. Also, there's the fact that every kind of popular TV show is, you can't, you can't do commie TV in 2022. You can't have left-wing opinions in media. Um, yeah, because um, as we all know, the left is just as bad as the right. <laughs> I wish I could yeah. finish. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh oh oh it's bad <laughs> yeah no i'm i'm also of the opinion that certain video games should never be made into movies i recently watched the sonic movie the original sonic movie as in like the live action one and i had a really good time and i feel like the reason i had a good time was because it had basically nothing to do with sonic the hedgehog at all and was its own thing and i really appreciate that and it's part of the reason why as well. I, I looked at the, um, I recently streamed rather the, the uh, infamous Sonic 06 game. Um, and I, I don't think that story works in a game and I don't think it would work in a movie either. And I think that's wonderful in its own way because- So it doesn't work in general. It just doesn't work. And I love that. I want things just to not work anymore. I, I love watching a train wreck like that because it just fills me with personal joy. So- I want more games that are bad and are clearly bad and have nothing going for them because they've run out of money or budget. It's the same thing with Balan Wonderworld. Like, I love that game because it is so just, like, cursed and clearly unfinished. And if you've read that uh, one that one uh, series of tweets by Yuji Naka, you can see that he wanted to have a game that was finished and the story just wasn't. And it's really sad. And at the same time, because of that, I, I want to see what they'd do with it as a TV show. <laughs> it's like... I want well, to know what they, I I know what they do. Make a bad movie out of it. Yeah, I, I, I'm here for it. I don't. I don't know what Yuji Naka would have done with it if he stuck with it. If he was still on the project, what it would have ended up with. I suspect I probably would have enjoyed it less. <laughs> um, one of the things I loved about honestly, Balan, hell yeah, hell yeah, things, make it things, worse. One of the things I liked about <laughs> Balan Wonderworld was that um, it was this fever dream of a thing that was more energy than anything kind of anything substantial i mean to me it felt like it was it, no substance and also no writing for, for me it had like a, a fantasia feel vibe that it was just a it was a series of um it, it was just energy 
it was just pure energy that was fever dream and surreal and yeah it, it was it was really great I don't know if that was because it was unfinished or if it was because I mean if Yuji Naka had ideas to take that further I mean if he was going to take it further then great but if if it was just that way because it was unfinished then to me just leave it unfinished because I <laughs> it was good. I mean, have you read the I, book I liked it I liked it there's a did book. you read the book yeah there's a book it's the story I did not know that yeah I'll there's a, there's the a book. whole book it's utter shit um <laughs> I read the the highlights of it and like key moments because I was like I'm interested enough to see what insane nonsense that Square was like nah we're not gonna put that in because <laughs> you know you, I wanted to see I was curious it's not good it's not a good book and it clearly reads read like they the were book. writing us no I read the highlights I read the highlights and some key chapter parts because I wanted to know the I wanted to know the story of Street Beat who is the boy and I forget the girl's name, but she sucks. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> Everyone sucks. Yeah, that game that game is not good. And the story doesn't work. And the fact it doesn't work as a book is hilarious to me. And I think that the fact that it doesn't work as a video game also hilarious to me. I want to see more of it. I will I would <clears throat> I would defend Balan Wonderworld to the end, I think. I think that is and I, I honestly <laughs> I honestly think that's um in in the future it'll probably be rediscovered and become something of a cult. I don't think it's ever going to be mainstream popular or anything like that. But I do think that it will be rediscovered because I think those surrealistic edges of it and just the fact that it, it tells such a odd story. I think it's, I think that it'll find people that like me enjoy stuff that's a, a little bit different. And it's certainly a different game. So I, yeah, I, I think the nicest way of saying it was bad. No, but I, I, think, I honestly, it was bad. I honestly don't think it was bad in the sense of like B grade crap. I think it was just different, like very, very different. And people that go into video games expecting nice, neat, linear stories, and probably went into Balan Wonderworld expecting a nice, clean platformer of the likes of Sonic and Mario weren't going to get that. And that's probably part of what cost it. I mean, technical issues are a different thing. It does have technical issues and they are a problem to its detriment. But just as a concept, as a game, I think that there's an awful lot of merit to it. And I don't think it's bad at all. I just think it's different. And, you know, it's, it's like people that will say that Pathologic is bad. Um, I don't think Pathologic was unintentionally designed to make you feel ill. I think they were just like, I want to make you feel ill. We're going to do it. <laughs> well, I use a lack the of point, budget for our advantage. The, the, yeah. point of, the point is that a lot of people, Pathologic is a very cult game because a lot of people do play it and go, this is just absolute crap. I can't handle this. Uh, it, it's terrible. But it's another good example, I guess, of a game that would really struggle to be made, uh, a narrative that would really struggle to be told in any other medium. I, yeah, I, it wouldn't be anywhere near as impactful, absolutely. We, we've certainly had this conversation that it's one of the few games that feels genuinely theatrical rather than cinematic. Like, it, it feels like you're watching a, or you're participating in an interactive piece of theatre rather than film. But, yeah, it, it's done in a way that would be very difficult to do in theatre, obviously. Um, so, 
it's it's a it's an amazing game. I think that's one yeah. that anybody who's interested in video game storytelling really needs to to check out Pathologic. Two, not one. Well, no, one as play well, one. I guess. <laughs> play one and be miserable, and then play two and be like, yeah, this is better, but I'm still miserable. Well, you're still yeah. I was going to say you're still going to be very miserable playing Pathologic too. Um, but yeah, it's it's a slightly better made game. Welcome back. So, one of the major innovations in the gaming industry in the recent uh, couple of years is a little little thing called a non fungible token. Um, yeah, it's probably it's probably of no surprise to hear, but we don't like them. <laughs> yeah, we're doing this. We're we're doing this. We've, we've been yeah, resisting we're, we're taking them down. <laughs> we've been talking crypto bros. <laughs> We've been resisting talking about this for God knows how long, but uh, yeah, it's it's a thing now. We're stuck with it. The video is game this? industry, yeah, the video game industry has decided they like it, so we're now stuck with this shit, and we're going to have to deal with it. <laughs> um, but it's terrible. It's horrible. These things are bad. Like, yes. really, really bad. And it's not just for all the reasons that people usually say they're bad, like, Everybody knows that there's the environmental issue with them and they basically require you burn down the rainforest for absolutely no reason whatsoever to create these bloody things. Um, and everybody knows that they're a scam, they're a pyramid scam, and the way that they're structured is, is such that the entire industry, the entire crypto industry, not just NFTs, but the entire crypto industry works on the basis that you're going to be able to offload your crap to somebody else uh, and then they're going to offload it to somebody else. It, it's exactly how a pyramid scam works. And if you do the maths, pretty sure that means that by the time you, you, you've got to get it to, if you get to seven people, like if one person sells to one person who sells to one, the, the way the pyramid works is I think you only get seven rounds and then every single person on the planet has been bought into the scam. So if you're on the fourth or fifth rung, then you're just not going to be able to sell to anybody and you're going to lose and everybody above you makes all their money and you get nothing and that is how it all works anyway beyond those issues the fact is that nfts are going to absolutely screw with the way that games are made 
the way that developers think about the way that games are made. And that is what annoys me, I think, more than anything else, as far as they are concerned with video games, that it's just another example of tech innovation coming to the detriment of what I like about games. You know, I like to sit down and play single player game for the most part with a, a narrative and have that experience that I've been having since the Game Boy and the NES and the Super, and Super NES and early era PC games and whatever. And these days, there's just so little incentive for developers to make that stuff that they don't. The reason I haven't played a AAA game for like 12 months now is because they're just structured in a way that um, doesn't appeal to me. And the NFTs are just another level of that. <laughs> I can't see myself ever actually wanting to play an NFT game or a game that has NFTs in them. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I struggle to look even as, you know, NFTs as an innovation because they don't do anything. So it means literally nothing. It's like having a piece of paper that says, I own your soul. It's that Simpsons episode. That's all it is, is that one Simpsons episode where Bart sells his soul. And it's um, it's got to the point as well where if there is a game that has NFTs in it, I look at it and I'm like, you know, I don't really want that. Although to be fair, it seems to primarily be like Ubisoft games at this point. Which well, is... that was that's a great example of just how crap these things are because I mean, one of the things that NFTs are sold on is the fact that you own the asset, right? You buy an NFT, which let's say it is a Ubisoft game. You buy an NFT of a gun. And then you can, because you now own that gun, you can do two things with it. One, you can sell it for profit because that is what motivates a lot of people that have NFTs, um, the chance to make money out of it. And two, you can, in theory, you can, you, or this is how they try and position it anyway, the NFT bros, they say that you can transfer it between games. And because it's the asset that you own, the game developers are somehow obligated to, make sure that you can use it in whatever game that they're creating as well. But that's never going to happen. I mean, Ubisoft isn't going to allow you to have an NFT in Ghost Recon Breakpoint or whatever, and then move it over to your Rainbow Six Siege game. That's not going to happen. That's what they try and say that it would be possible with this technology. But what they don't realize is that to do that, you still need to develop it into the game. And they're just not going to do it. There's no reason for Ubisoft to do that. And what's happened is Ubisoft put nfts into ghost recon breakpoint was it was it ghost recon breakpoint? yeah the one yeah, they, that no one cares about <laughs> but they put it into that one and three or four months later they announced we're just giving up on development of this game and those oh yeah by the way those NFT that nfts that you bought they don't do anything anymore <laughs> and it's like that's exactly the scam now yeah it's it's utter nonsense it's so silly and I mean, I keep getting ads as well on like YouTube and on all social media platforms being like, we've got a new game. It's a new NFT game where you own a Mac. And it's like, no, I don't own a Mac. I own a, I own a, a piece of paper that says that I might own a Mac online, but as soon as the online thing goes down, I don't own the Mac anymore. It doesn't mean anything. Nothing has any value. It's not tangible. It's a waste of time. And it's such an absolute scam that, you know, it, it, it's worse than every other microtransaction thing that I've seen before. Well, see, the thing is... It's macro. The thing, the thing, the thing is, microtransactions, as dodgy as they can be and as terrible as they can be and as exploitative as they can be, and they can be like gambling and all those other things, like all those 
criticisms of microtransactions are real and justified, but those microtransactions are still in service of the game being the way that it is. So, for example, I buy swimsuits in, in Dead or Alive, um, of, you know, DLC or microtransactions or whatever, however they choose to do it. It's still in service of Dead or Alive. The thing about NFTs is that they try and position these things as you're actually buying assets that, uh, that have value and you can resell them. And what you'll hear a lot of with NFTs is people talking about play to earn as a concept. So the more you play this game, so the Axel, what's it, Axies? Axies, that's the main NFT game at the moment. The Axies game, you can sit there and play it and earn money by doing so and then sell your NFTs for even more money and you can actually make a living out of playing this video game and stuff. And it's like, I don't want to do that. If I'm playing a game, I want to play a game. It's not about making profit. It's not, not everything in life has to be profit orientated. But the minute that you start to tune games that way, that they're being developed so as to support the play to earn model, then everything in life becomes, including the games you play, everything in life becomes about earning money. And it's all about the hustle. And it's all about like kind of stuff. And then it's the Sigma I, grind set. <laughs> I, I just can't stand it. I cannot stand this idea that everything in life is so goddamn capitalized that even their hobbies now. Uh, have this earning expectation that if we're not spending time earning money, then it's wasted time. And we're not being pr productive enough. This is exactly the this, this is exactly the end result of American style capitalism. That's the only thing that is valued is your ability to make money. And even now, our hobbies are being tuned that way. So that's why, above and beyond everything else, to do with the environment and the scams and the hackability of nfts the fact that they're just draining money out of people who are generally don't have that much money um above and beyond everything else it's actually literally ruining the hobby because it's turning it into another job i i just see no value in it i think it's so it's so obviously stupid that like when a crypto bro tries to explain what an nft actually is it is it's like going through the matrix, but the explanation still doesn't make sense because it doesn't have any value. There is no value to it. It's just a thing that doesn't exist. It's yeah. crazy. I don't know why you'd want that in a video game and why you want to profiteer off a video game like that. I, I mean, I do because money. I understand that people are evil and that greed is horrific, but like, at least make it something cool. <laughs> Like, well, find a cool way to steal my money. It, it's just fascinating that they think that video games, are, 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 on top of everything else, that video games are going to somehow be this friendly space for their, their utopia vision. They have this utopic vision that they're going to buy NFTs, make a fortune, have these avatars that are uniquely theirs, they own these assets and all that kind of stuff. And they just assume that game developers are going to go along with that. And does anybody honestly think that Ubisoft is going to give them that level of control over the stuff that Ubisoft creates? Of course not. You know, it's the, these companies that are looking to exploit NFTs and looking to do so for their profit, not for the consumer's profit, not for the investor's profit. I don't even know what NFTs, 
owners think of themselves? Are they do they think of themselves as investors and consumers or whatever? I don't really care because they're stupid people, but um, they they, they honestly investors, think Matt because they're investing into the game and they are in, in, getting the I don't know I, it, it, it's hard to explain. I don't I, I, I don't I really don't care what these people think of themselves, but whatever they think of themselves the companies that are producing these nfts don't give a crap <laughs> they're not going to they're not going to cede control over the the assets they're not going to turn these video games into these open marketplaces for nft people to trade stuff without them getting a big massive cut majority cut of, of what's produced so whatever their idea about what nfts and video games will do it's not going to pan out that way because the big corporates with the soup people aren't going to let them so well, Reggie every... suggested animal crossing should be an nft and a play to earn game uh, was the latest uh, quote from him he's like i like the idea in principle it should be an animal crossing imagine if you could like do 300 hours in animal crossing and then sell it well animal, an crossing is the, animal crossing is the <laughs> ultimate example of what an nft person would look at and say hey we should turn this into a profit making venture where every little bit of junk that you put in your house is an NFT that you can then sell for real money. That is what they think. They think that that game should be turned into this marketplace thing that they can use to, to create and sell NFTs. Completely missing the point that the whole point of Animal Crossing is to just chill, just take a moment out, you know, um, escape from the real world where everything in life is a, is a hustle because capitalism is fucking us over. And Animal Crossing is that escape and it stops being an escape if it becomes work. The moment Animal Crossing becomes your job as such because you're making all this money selling virtual candy machines to other people, um, it, it stops being what Animal Crossing is. And that's what's going to happen to all video games. And I, I, I hate to be defeatist about this, but this stuff ain't it's going to happen. It's, it just is. There's too much money to be made and the CEOs of Square Enix and Activision and Microsoft and Sony and stuff. They yeah, just see money. Said it all. They see the money. Like that's it. The it's gonna happen because they're gonna profit from it. Yep. It's great. See, I'm hoping it just fizzles out. Like, you know, it's I, not. I, I I reckon I reckon that they're gonna do their one or two games where they're gonna be like, let's try and do this experiment, and then it's just gonna be stupid and not work, and then just obvious to everyone that's a pyramid scheme and then they can't pull that shit for the next game and then they have to recall it or not do anything that's why i'm hoping what's going to happen like no, they're they're only they're only trouble their only problem trend is that they don't know quite know how to make enough monies from it just yet but well they're going to work that out because there is money to be made in this stuff because there are suckers out there that will buy it and once they work out how to make the money from it it's going to be in everything we had this same problem with Originally, it was DLC. Remember when everybody said, oh, horse armor, what a ripoff with, with Oblivion? Um, well, now everything is DLC ripoffs because they found out, they figured out how to make it, it work. That it and, <laughs> yeah. and these games sold anyway. People didn't resist. People complained, sure. They went on, was, would have been bulletin boards back in Oblivion. Uh, Twitter wasn't around. So they went on whatever the social media was and the web forums and the journalists all wrote very angry articles about how dare this dlc be so exploitative but it still ended up happening because they made money from it and nobody didn't buy the games 
Same thing happened with microtransactions. It's like everybody says they're bad. They've been classified as gambling in a lot of places. Even Australia now classifies them as gambling, which is just amazing, um, given our government. So, but even despite that, they made money. And because of that, every game has got their microtransactions in them now, because why would they not? And that's going to happen with NFTs. Sure, everybody's writing these articles about how terrible NFTs are, and everybody loves to pile on the NFT bros on Twitter and uh, all of that. There's that supposed resistance to what NFTs are. But the reality is, once a company makes a game with NFTs that people want to play, maybe it's Red Dead Redemption 3, GTA 6, Oblivion 2. What's the next Elder Scrolls game? I don't think they've announced the name of it yet. But uh, whatever it is. Hammerfall. Yeah, Hammerfall one of these games is going to have NFTs in it and it's going to sell 10 million copies and people are going to buy the NFTs. And then all of a sudden, bang, you, they've succeeded. People will pretend they don't like it, but they end up spending money on it anyway. And uh, it's just going to happen. <laughs> it, it's an inevitability and it, that's defeatist and, and stuff, but it's just an inevitability. NFTs are going to come into the video game industry and they're going to absolutely ruin it. But people are going to make a lot of money and there you go. So it'll just be another thing, another reason not to play video games of a certain size. And it's just going to be smaller and smaller games that adopt it too. So I feel sure at some point it would be considered predatory and all that other stuff. And then there'll well, be so wars microtransactions. against it. And... <laughs> well, so is microtransactions. That's the thing. You can look at it's happened every single time. And that the, that's the thing that find, I find absolutely amazing that people think that NFTs are not going to succeed in video games it's like there's no proof of that there's absolutely no proof that a single bad idea that has made money in this video game industry has gone away another good example is drm you know people hated drm and how dare they put drm into video games and stuff well every game has drm now i was thinking about this as well it's not necessarily that nfts are going to maintain the current form that they're in they will adapt into a new way that will suck just as much, but will seem more palatable to some people. And they are the focus then. There is um, that too, because this is all very new still. So they haven't figured out how to maximize the, the, uh, the exploitative quality of them in a way that will get the most number of people involved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so gonna it's going to be sure. disastrous. It won't be probably the way that Ubisoft is doing it because the way that Ubisoft doing it is just laughable and shit. The, the way it will be actually done in the future will probably be far more insidious, probably be quite predatory, and it's going to be really bad. My, it's going to my, go down like the, the FOMO culture sort of thing as well. Yeah, my guess would be... So the reason I think the Ubisoft one fell over and failed was because, well, first, nobody was playing the game at the point they put the NFTs A game that was already a ghost. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that was part of it. And probably... Ubisoft saw that as an experiment with a game that nobody was playing anyway. So who cares if it doesn't work? This was just a test. But I think that ultimately didn't work because they were positioning that as a kind of um, cosmetic DLC just in NFT form that you buy the little helmet or whatever and it was a and it was a item that you had. And that was kind of it. What I think will work for NFTs and pretty sure will work actually is the idea of pay to of play to earn so once 
publishers, and we've seen Square Enix and Sega go out there and talk about pay to play to earn as a as a future thing. So I'm pretty sure this is the way it's going to go. Once they work out that one not point not 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 percent one percent of the gaming population can make some money out of video games, they're going to figure that they can sell that concept to everybody, and then all of a sudden everybody's going to be playing these things to try and earn some money while they're playing. And that's going to be an easy sell because who doesn't want to earn money, right? <laughs> you know, that's a, that's an easy sell. That yeah, it taps of, into that that childhood want of like, oh, I can make money while playing video games. Exactly, exactly. And what that is, is Roblox? Yeah, exactly. Well, that, that's exactly. Yeah, that's it. it. It's yeah. such an easy sell. It is such an easy sell. The marketers would be laughing about how easy it is. It's just like, yeah, you instead of just playing this game now, you're going to earn money as well. Uh, once they figure out how to do that in a way that makes them even more money, then it's going to be in every single video game that you play. And that's going to ruin games. I mean, we've already been talking about how many times have we on this podcast talked about how shit it is that video games have got so long and just so obsessed with content, endless content. What do you think it's going to be when you basically have to play a game for 24 hours straight to make any money from it day after day? It's like your full-time job times three if you're going to have to put 150 hours worth of content into a game per week, what's that going to do to video games as a development thing? So this is going to change how games are made in such a substantial way that is not good for anybody that actually likes games. Um, it's hard not to be very negative about the future of the video game industry because of this in particular. Yeah. Well, the thing we can do is support games that are good and are not being predatory. So you should all itch. buy Peglin. Everyone <laughs> should everyone should spend more time on itch. There's never going to be yeah. NFTs on itch. In fact, one of my favorite things, one of my favorite pushbacks against NFTs was itch itself. Their Twitter account went out and said, "Oh, it was great." Yeah, everybody who who buys NFTs or is a, is a fucking idiot, and they just they stood by that. Good on them. You need platforms like that, and there yeah. will always be one or two, you know, developers that just resist as long as possible and that's a good thing should they, you should support them um like i can't see nintendo doing nfts for quite some time i can't see devolver doing it either yeah devolver always push back against that stuff so there will always be some of those kind of um for one reason or another i mean devolver does it because they have that countercultural thing going on pretty strongly within them which is great yeah. i love them i love that about them nintendo will do it because they're just a, a conservative company in terms of uh, it's their their reputation amongst younger players in particular. Like it took Nintendo a long time to embrace microtransactions. And also these, online. And <laughs> online. And yeah, any any of those things. Any Nintendo's just a very risk averse company as far as the reputation goes. And if they become seen as a company that produces things that hurt kids as opposed to just entertain them, then they know that they'll lose a lot. So Nintendo will take their time to embrace it. But, and I, I know for a fact that Koei Tecmo also has absolutely no interest in NFTs at this stage. Not to say they won't in the future, but there, there are companies I think realize that it, they, NFTs have a poor reputation and that'll, that'll slow things down for some of them. But I think ultimately, even our Nintendos and Koei Tecmos and probably even Devolver will have some form of NFT in there that they'll try and position as a as a good thing in one way or another. Yeah. 
It's just unfortunate, but it will happen. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know whether I continue to play games at that point. I don't know. Maybe this will just become a retro thing, digitally download, and we just play old games forever. Because at least we'll yeah. still always have them. And yeah. Yeah. Digitally downloaded because you can digitally download any game. We'll mm. just become, we'll, we'll, we'll become, <laughs> we'll become an official supporter of Ambernick and emulation <laughs> that will just cover, cover that scene because they're the only ones that are not putting NFTs and stuff. See, what I kind of want, but I know it's bad and it's going to be a bad, bad game is I kind of want it in GTA 6, but as a metaverse kind of like pyramid scheme in game where like it can be easily manipulated and just fucked with. I want it to be like a brutal, uh, you know, example of what it actually is, but also be the product. I reckon that would be fun. Yeah, I, I mean, that's kind of what GTA Online will already be. I would like GTA Online. GTA Online has a goddamn casino in it. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. And look how many copies it sold. So there you go. That's yeah. just proof. NFTs will probably be in GT6 and GTA yes. 6. And GTA 6 will sell 70 million copies anyway. And, and beyond free generations like GTA prove, 5. Yeah. And just prove everything that I've said about it right. So yeah. there we go. Right. 